Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Chain Attack. Uh, I'm your host, Trevor, and um, I currently checked out a book from the library about staircases. <laughs> I'm I'm Jay, and I don't like. I'm very confused why you would do that because <laughs> because you no you guys probably don't know this about me, but uh, I'm a massive architecture nut, and uh, I love staircases. They're one of my favorite things. In fact, the home I live in right now, there's a good reason. The, a big part of the reason we bought it was because of its staircases. That is amazing. Do you, Trevor, do you listen to 99% Invisible, the podcast? I've never even heard of that, no. You would probably love it. It is like, it's all about design. So like their podcast last week that I just listened to was actually about um, designing bird safe buildings. Mm-hmm. And because there's a type of glass that birds can actually detect and so they won't fly into it. And like if you have that in buildings, it, it reduces bird deaths by like, 80 or 90 percent or some ridiculous thing like that so anyway that that's the kind of they're, they're always i mean i, I can't remember if there's a 99 percent invisible about staircases but it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> uh i'm I, I i don't think i said this but i'm jay uh, go ahead josh <laughs> oh and, and i am josh yes and the only book i read now right now are voter lists so voter lists what's that you know, just data on all the all the voters in my district, so I can figure out which ones to go out and say hi to. Like, is this public record? Like, who's voted and who hasn't? That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I did not know that that was public record. So, <laughs> real quick, in in the in the previous um, in our pre ramble uh, podcast, which you should subscribe to, and you know, for all the juicy week. details. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had mentioned that your uh, daughter did a violin recital and made her violin sound like a dying bird. Is, is this correct? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she played a piece in the recital that's called Mount Ida, I-D-A. And the second movement in the piece is literally called Wounded Bird. And we're sitting there listening to it, you know, and you're hearing like traditional violin things. And all of a sudden it's there's like wounded chirping. And we're like, like it was we didn't realize it at first. Then we look up at her and she's like playing her violin in a way that's making it chirp crazy. So I I learned this. I you guys probably already knew this. And uh, I learned something this week that just kind of amazed me and uh, made me feel kind of, I guess, ignorant of the world but have have did i have either of you heard of the uh four pests campaign in china that was it was in like 1958 to 62 no 
Mm, that doesn't so, sound familiar to me, no. Okay, so... When you say campaign, is this like a war kind of thing? Uh, kind of. They they basically declared war on the four these four pests. So they oh, tried okay. to kill uh, mosquitoes, rodents, flies, and sparrows. That seems uh-huh. like a losing war, no matter what you do. <laughs> All four of them. Well, they succeeded in like... Uh, you know, just drastically reducing the number of sparrows, and then that ended up, and and this was Which against caused like, the flies to come up. This this <laughs> this was against the advice of you know the scientists and et cetera. But the bureaucracy was like, you know, full speed ahead. We must kill the sparrows, and so because the sparrows were eliminated, it resulted in an ecological imbalance, which caused the great Chinese famine that came afterwards because the, the pests were not killed by the sparrows. By the sparrows. Yeah. Holy cow. Anyways, it was, uh, I, the way that I ended up reading about it was because I was reading about, um, China's zero COVID policy and they were kind of comparing that to the four pest campaign. But, like suggesting that there's going to probably be some ecological disasters that come out uh, of that. Stuff well, just saying that they were saying that there was going to be that the Chinese bureaucracy was going to have a bunch of unintended consequences, essentially, because of the COVID zero. Policy. I'll have I'll have to find it, Jay. But <clears throat> I, I listened to a podcast about why um, shoot whatever province Toronto is in. Like they basically have zero rats oh, because, interesting. because of a similar like successful campaign uh, decades ago. You know what oh. I mean? Like yeah. it was, yeah, it was really interesting. I'll have to find it. Um, stuff for Discount Games Inc. Um, if if you've been interested in Curse City, be sure you get that purchased. Um, and this week there is new stuff for uh, Tyranids in 40k. So check that out. Um, so this week we're going to uh, do some. Uh, I guess pitches or reviews. I'm going to start off with Trevor, and you're going to talk to us about the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog. So Sonic the Hedgehog 2, um, inexplicably in some <laughs> ways, decided to continue some of the plot lines that it did from the first one, which I, I maybe the writers thought that that was a good idea. I, I wish they would have come up with I something. I guess why, why do you feel like, you evidently think it's a bad idea. Why do you think it's bad? So, so some of them are fine. I mean, clearly they intended for, so at the end of Sonic 1, um, Dr. Robotnik gets sent to the Mushroom Planet, and it's clear <laughs> by the end of the end of the movie that he'll, he'll be back. And everyone wants sure. that, because Jim Carrey put in a great performance as Dr. Robotnik, and clearly Dr. Robotnik is... Well, key, I mean, he's key. like the Joker. He's like the Joker yeah. to, to Sonic's Batman, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason to remove him completely from the plot or from the story. Um, so you know, you fully expect him to come back. That's not the issue I have. Okay, at the end of the first one, there is um, some conflict between uh, Sonic and the government, essentially. Uh, or should I say uh, Tom and the government, uh, Sonic's um, adopted family. That's the plot line that I feel like they should have just left 
on the floor. It just should have never come back. And and it plays a central role in the and it just doesn't. It feels like it's very forced, and I really dislike it. Mm. Um. So, so sorry, which part feels really forced to you? The the part of the, the government continued conflict between the government and Tom, basically, right? Uh, okay. Well, they're 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 trying to capture or control or gain the power of Sonic, and it's just. The, and that this, seems that stretches your credulity. <laughs> no, no, it does not. The but the, but the, the recycled writing, ET plotline. But the the writing of it is poor. Okay, okay. So so here, I I love the first movie. I think it's fantastic. They the writing was well refined. The um, interactions between the characters is great between Sonic and Tom, between Tom and Robotnik, between Sonic and Robotnik, um, as the three main characters. Um, the cast of characters around these people, uh, Tom's wife, Tom's co-worker, uh, Robotnik's Dr. Stone, um, just everybody that you run into, um, Tom's sister-in-law, they are all funny and interesting. There's very few dead points throughout the movie. So many of those characters return in Sonic 2, obviously, but their dialogue, their lines is not well refined. It is very clear to me um, that this movie was rushed to production and that the writing was not given a second or third or fourth pass. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like to me that the elevator pitch of like, what if we took, you know, Sonic 1, everything you loved about it, and add in like Idris Elba, uh, that everyone should be like, Sign me up, right? You, yeah, you but, had me at you had me at Idris Elba, hundred percent. Idris yeah. Elba, Idris Elba does a great job. Okay, so okay. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame anything on him. I I fully and I actually I feel like this is fully on the writers. Like Jay is right, you add Idris Elba to to the first one and it's great. The problem is, is this is not the first one. It yeah. is it is a horrible shell of what the first one maybe was at first draft. It just there's there's the the um, sister-in-law her snide comments are just all gone they're not really there in a way that they're funny or interesting like they were in the first one um there's none of the interactions of the three main characters kind of they they send sonic off on his own little adventure with tails they send Tom off on his own little adventure with um, his sister-in-law, and they send Robotnik off on his own little adventure with Idris Elba Knuckles. And okay. the, prob- the problem is, is that those three had such great chemistry, and you separate them for and almost— And you've, like, the- separated the elements of the, of the you- great chemistry? Yeah, for almost the entire movie. At the very end, you get a final battle where obviously all of those elements come together, and that's one of the more interesting parts of the movie. And and honestly, it's one of the um, uh, Jim Carrey still puts in a great performance here, and I feel like so does um, uh, Marston. No, Schwartz, Ben Schwartz. Okay. As, as Sonic, I feel like they all still do a great job, but but they don't have each other to play off of, and it just doesn't seem to work as well. Mm. So. I, I I hate I feel like I'm saying lots of negative things. The fun the movie is still fun. If your kids enjoyed Sonic One, take them. Um, it just it is to me. I was I was massively disappointed because I love the well, first one so much. Right, and I mean I guess to play off of that, I, I think it's fair to say that the first one is one of your most watched movies and, and therefore likely one of your most loved movies. Yes. And so it seems like it would have been 
difficult for them to do a sequel that was that, that you lived up to that. Right. And is that the, I think that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I I fully expected it to fall short of my of my hopes, but I guess the part that bugs me is I can see I can see where the shell of what would have been a great movie. The potential mm. greatness was there. It was there. But uh, and I'm going to use this analogy again. It really feels like this is a first draft and that instead of let's refine this and make it better and improve upon these jokes. In fact, let's pull in Ben Schwartz and, and um, I'm sorry, I can't remember Marsden's first name. James. James Marsden and pull in um, and pull in um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey and have them contribute because they're all very funny actors and all uh, can ad lib and do well on the moment in the moment, give them some opportunity to, to ad lib and we'll take multiple takes and then we'll take the best one, which is what I feel like they did in the first one. I just think they kind of dropped all of that to get it to market as quick as they could to, to, you know, bank in on the success of the first movie and there it paid off. Don't get me wrong. If you look at how well the movie's doing, it's doing mm-hmm. great. They're making yeah, a lot. That's they're, good. Okay. They're making a lot of money. I just, mm-hmm. I, and I applaud them for making money and I, you know, whatever, but geez, if they just would have taken a little more time with it, I think it would have been a far better film. I'm one almost the, certain that there's going to be a third one because of how well they're doing. Yeah, I'm sure. One of the, one of the podcasts I listen to is, is basically like it does these little mini podcasts about things that are going on in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And they just did one at the start of this week. They did one about the weekend box office and um, the, basically the news for it was how um, the success of Sonic was like great news for the movie industry. And it, you know, indicates that, you know, post pandemic, there's still, you know, an audience for theaters, for family movies, you know, cartoons, et cetera. Um, and, and, but it was interesting because they also talked about another movie and, and you guys probably, I, I guess Trevor might have heard of this movie, but there's um, a Michael Bay movie that, that came out this weekend as well. Ambulance. Okay. And it got like, it did not, very well <laughs> at all um and so I, they i didn't even know it was coming out. i've never even heard of it yeah yeah well i saw the poster for it yeah. is it set in la do i remember that right uh i don't remember where it said i've i've seen i saw the i assume it's in the speed formula um no not really okay it's, all right it's this this guy goes to a friend and he's like hey i need help with money Oh and yes, I have seen the him, previews for this. Talks him into helping doing a heist bank. with him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a heist film. Yeah. I, I, I was, I actually, I was quite aware of it. I just didn't know the name. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen multiple previews for it, but yeah, I've seen the preview a lot of times. The, the previews are failed at at. Well, ambulance is not a memorable name. How am I supposed to remember that movie? It just doesn't seem like a great choice. Be less old. Yeah. <laughs> Be less old. <laughs> Anyways, Hollywood was very heartened over the success of Sonic 2. Yeah. Um, I am curious, Trevor, you know, if you were to give a letter grade to Sonic 1, would it would it be A+, mm. A, which... So, 
it depends on what scale you're going to grade it on. Okay, let me let me just preface this by saying: Are we grading it on all movie scale? Or are we grading it on the family movie scale? Or are we grading it on the video games movie scale? Because on the video games movie scale, I I am wholeheartedly believe that it is the best video game movie ever made. Okay. Okay. Like I would put it ahead of um, Inspector or uh, Doctor Detective Pikachu. I think those are both like one, two, probably the best video game movies ever made. Um, most of them, the vast majority of video game movies suck. Um, on the family movie scale, I would probably give it, uh, I'd give it an A. I think that it, ha- it has the same sort of formula that, um, you know, some of the other great family movies that we all remember and go back to. It has all of those. It has jokes for the kids. It has jokes for the parents. It has callbacks to, it's witty, it's smart, et cetera, et cetera. It does things like Shrek and Megamind that, that they, they do. So, um, on the greater movie scale, obviously it's not as you know it's not going to be hailed as one of the great ten movies of of the 21st century or anything. Um, although for me it is, uh, but I think I still give it probably an A minus or B plus on that scale. I think that it's quite good. It's just never going to make it into you know those great lists of movies that other that the film critics love. Right. Right. Um, but I do think it's something that a lot of families will go back to over the years. Like, I think 10 years from now, it's not going to be one of those movies like, oh, yeah, they made a Sonic movie forever ago. It's going to be more like Shrek, where people are going to go, oh, yeah, let's watch Sonic. Haven't seen that in a long time. You know, the next crop of kids will watch it. So Sonic, um, I, Sonic 2 is very forgettable. So I'm I'm curious. I, I need to know the the score in comparison. <sighs> oh, between one and two, you're saying? That's yeah. right. Hold his feet to the fire, Jay. It feels like two is like C plus B minus. Like it just, it doesn't have many of the things I just mentioned. It's not as witty. Um, it's, it's not as fun. It's, it's very forgettable. Like if you, if you ask me in a couple of years, what the plot of it is, I probably won't be able to remember it. I'm, I'm hoping that it's becomes, and I hate this comparison, but I'm hoping it, that we get sort of a Shrek sort of franchise in that maybe the third one will be great. Like I, I hope that they don't that it doesn't just die on the vine, um, because I really love the cast of characters they've put together for it. I just mm-hmm. and I would love for them to come back and do it again and actually try to catch some of that magic again because you know Shrek clearly did it. You know the first one arguably may not even be the best of the series, um, but clearly the first one was good enough to get some sequels and some of them are really bad. Um, but but like is it the third one? I think it's the third one that's really good. Uh, so I'm just, I don't know. But yeah, I I encourage everyone to go see it so that we can get some more Ben Schwartz and and <laughs> as Sonic. But um, and I hope you enjoy it because uh, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I was very disappointed. Um. Okay, Josh. Uh, I want to hear from you your uh your favorite campaigning story. Uh that you've had so far oh that's i feel like that's asking me to choose between my children jay that's (laughs) you are a politician (laughs) (laughs) yes trained by the gamers of eastern idaho right (laughs) uh honestly well this is recency bias but like uh, still my favorite story so i've 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 knocked on a, a lady's door and she opened the door and said thank you for running before I said anything at all. <laughs> like, it's just the ultimate pitch, you know what I mean? Um, 
Also, my other favorite story is that my 14-year-old has actually developed a TikTok. Uh, yeah, it's a TikTok, right? Isn't that what you call those? Or is it a reel anymore? I don't. You're asking you heard, you heard asking. my Anyway, I probably need to find a way to share it with subscribers only because it's not going to go out into the wild, but it is dang funny. If it's on, if it is actually on TikTok, you there's a URL you can use to to share them. Okay. If it's, if it's not, uh, if it's like a Facebook reel or whatever, I don't know of a way, but I'm sure there is. Yeah. I don't those know. are a couple. Those are a couple of my favorites, Jay. The the, yeah. the IT the IT end of that, I can help you. The <laughs> okay the okay. Social the media part. Public of that. relations part of it, not so much. Yeah, the TikTok part of that. I was born in the 70s, just like you. We're so middle-aged. <laughs> Jay. Yeah. What was that? Are Are you ready to move on? We're ready for your pitch now. Okay, I am ready. Um, so I went to uh a movie. The name of it is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, and I'm not really sure how this movie got on my radar, but oh, I thought you were about to say like you're not even sure how it got made. <laughs> uh, well, that too. <laughs> Uh, but actually, I so I there is a Ringer podcast I listen to sometimes. The the name of it is The Big Picture, and it's you know about movies. And they had on um, the creators, and it was it was pretty interesting. It was a a spoiler free interview of them that was about like twenty minutes long, something like that, talking about the movie. And the it's the movie is made by two directors, which is kind of unusual. But the the directors' names are Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner. And so when they make something together, uh, it'll say that the 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 movie is made by the Daniels, which is okay, okay, kind of kind of funny. Um, and they and one of the things they said in in this interview on this podcast that I thought was kind of funny and interesting was that they had, they were mainly, um, you know, they've, they've mainly been indie movie creators and then they started having, you know, they would have people, you know, media, et cetera, who would ask them, what do you want to do as your next project? Or like, if you get approached from a big studio from Hollywood, what's going to be your, uh, you know, project that you try to pitch to get created. And they said that, you know, a lot of times they would make kind of these joke pitches that are just like, you know, completely absurd and uh, to tell the media and, and get like kind of a laugh at. And then they decided upon kind of this, they, they, they started getting to the point where they had some success with some of their indie movies and it, and it was feasible that some of the uh, studios were going to ask them to make something. And so they came up with the concept of this movie and when they started pitching it to people, they thought that it was one of the <laughs> joke pitches that they had been doing before because it oh, is people like, thought it was the joke pitch because yes. it's so absurd. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Amazing. So, so that's that's kind of humorous about uh, with it, in my opinion. Um, so the it it is a a multiverse movie. It's kind of difficult to describe it. Um, there there is a lot of 
action. There's kind of like kung fu sequences in it. Uh, one of the things that uh, I thought was uh, interesting as well from this interview was that so the 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 supporting actor uh, in in the movie the the main star of it is Michelle Yeoh, um, who's amazing. Famous obviously. from Agents of Shield and uh, Shang Chi, right? And uh, I, I, I mean, I she's done a ton of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, you've got a different woman there, Josh. I did. Yes. She's in like Crazy Rich Asians or Okay, okay. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, she's in Shang Chi, but the, the, in you're thinking of um, uh. What's her name? That's in Man uh, Book of Boba Fett. Who's in? Yeah, yeah that, is, that is who I was thinking of. Fennec Shand. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a different woman. That is okay. Apologies. Um, and so the but the co-star is K Huai Quan, which again I'm I'm sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciations, but he's the actor who uh, played Short Round in. Temple of Doom. Oh, my heck. Okay, now I feel really old, but thanks. I, and, uh, I have not seen him in a long time. He hasn't He hasn't been in stuff for a long time, and so the story behind it is he, he said that he felt, uh, after he watched Crazy Rich Asians, he felt like this uh, feeling of FOMO and uh, decided that he wanted to start acting again. And he he auditioned for the part and they thought that he was perfect for it. And, but they didn't tell him that because they wanted to make sure the movie was going to happen. And so he thought that he wasn't going to get it. And then, you know, five weeks later they come back to him and say like, you know, you're, you're going to have the, the part. And, and he had, he, he is like a black belt and like, I think maybe Taekwondo, something like that. Um, but it, it's also, like it is just really kind of cool. This he he's a very important part of the movie, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, uh, does a very good job in the movie. And so it's it is kind of cool to uh, to see to see that in this movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he that, did that's Temple, another thing I like. Temple of Doom and Goonies, and then he has a bunch of like bit parts for ages. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he had one little tiny bit part in like 2002 was his last acting. And then in 2021, he did something that was kind of a bit part. And then boom, he's back to one of the that, biggest. That is wild. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it, his, his, obviously his martial arts stuff does come in handy in this. Um, and so, I mean, I, I don't really know how to describe the movie or, what to say about it other than it is, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people who complain somewhat justifiably. So I guess, but that Hollywood, you know, is just so focused on, you know, making sequels or making comic book movies or which the reason why they do is because those are the movies that reliably make money. And and so, but this is, this isn't any of those things it is you know it is kind of an action movie whatever but it's not it's not based on an established intellectual property it feels a little bit to me jay and if this is unfair you tell me but it, it feels a little bit to me like when a quiet place first came out like 
it sounds like it's a science fiction action story that's basically a new, you know, IP basically. Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would say that's kind of fair. Um, uh, another thing I'd learned about the Quiet Place that was kind of uh, funny from listening to these Hollywood podcasts was um, the the main star I, I can't remember his name um but jim from the office uh he basically it was when they were talking about michael bay movies and the ambulance they talked about how he made a benghazi movie and basically jim from the office had to agree to be the star in the benghazi movie and in exchange for that he would get to the studio would support him in a quiet place the quiet place movie oh wow okay interesting (laughs) i thought that was kind of funny um but it's so i I feel like the movie has action going on in it it has like heart tugging moments going on in it there's absurdity there's laughing at what's going on at the screen um going into the movie i would i a conversation I had with my friend who I went to the movie with was I'm concerned that there's no way that this movie could live up to the hopes or expectations that I, I have for this movie because mm-hmm. it's probably, it's probably the movie that I'm most, I have the most anticipation for that isn't like a, a star Wars or a Marvel movie okay. In, okay. in a really, really long time. And we finished the movie and you know, I said that I felt like it exceeded the those expectations or expectations that I had. So I, I again, uh, in my opinion, this is the people say, although they vote with their dollars otherwise, that they they want to see more stuff that isn't sequels and uh, superhero movies. Uh, I, I think this is you know the the sort of movie that we should be supporting and and making successful. So. Yeah, it's it's odd for Hollywood um, to take a chance. Yes, it's, it's even less likely for Hollywood to take a chance on a movie starring not white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm super excited for this movie. I desperately want to see it. Um. Originally, when I first saw the preview for it, I'm like, I had. I still don't know what the movie is even about. But I, every time I've seen the preview, I'm like, that is amazing. I don't know what it is, but I want to see it. <laughs> so. I guess a, a quick synopsis of the plot is that there is an evil entity that is in the multiverse that is uh, kind of taking over or destroying the multiverse as they know it. And so uh, the the main character is <laughs> uh, potentially the you know the the hope of stopping this, this evil entity, mm. and then it, it goes has a lot of twists and turns from that, but, uh, yeah. What, uh, I guess, do you guys have any questions on it or any, what, what are, have been your, uh, you, you are, are not going to be able to watch it, Josh, cause it's R, but, right. uh, <laughs> how, how spoilable is it, Jay? Like, you know, when I go read the plot summary, is, have, I feel like you can read the plot summary and you'll miss a lot like of a ton. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. It feels like you do need to watch it to get like kind of the feel of it. Um, I'll I'll also say I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that well okay I I guess not I think I would say that 
I'm surprised that it got an R because it um it's most it, there isn't like much there isn't really nudity in it. Mm-hmm. It's mostly violence, but it's kung fu violence. So I'm assuming that most of it is probably swearing. And then I think there's also a scene where they are uh, like using dildos as weapons. And so oh, that probably. Okay, 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 yeah. Also. It's probably problematic. Yeah. Listen, Jay, if the MPAA had an actual guideline on to how they had rated these things. Then well, sure, yeah. I mean, they, it's really a shot in the dark with this sort of stuff. Yeah. Have you read, there's, there's several stories about how, um, I'm trying to remember the specific movie, but there was a movie where the director shot it. He turned it over to the MPAA and said, here's my movie. They said, if you don't cut something out, we will rate it X. He uh said, I will cut this part out. They said, okay, if you cut that part out, we will rate it R. He then took it back to his studio, did not cut that scene the section out that he said he would and then he resubmitted it to the mpaa and they gave him an r rating without any changes to the (laughs) brilliant yeah so (laughs) malicious compliance right there i i mean that sort of crap happens between directors and the mpaa all the time Mm -hmm. all the time well um it's uh, i guess another thing of of note is i i did I felt like the theater experience did add to it, but I also feel like it's going to be a pretty good movie on a big screen TV at home. And so you know, it's, it's one that I'm planning on buying when it comes on streaming. Um, it's one that I'm going to watch multiple times. Um, so I, I, so sell me on this. Should I go see it in the, at the big screen? I, I desperately want to see it, but it is one of those things where I would have to convince my wife to go and we would have to go, you know, by ourselves, which at this point doesn't happen as often. I just don't see very many rated R films in the theater anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I think the the best pitch I can make to justify you going to the theater for it is that I, I did feel like there's not very many movies where you finish the movie and you're just like, wow, that is was a unique movie experience that just kind of blew me away. And I did have that feeling from this this movie, and I think that the um, the theater maybe added a little bit to it. I think that you'll still be blown away watching it at home, but I think it's a special enough movie that it is worth getting like the full experience or trying to to have that in a theater. Yeah, especially right now where it feels like there's so few. Like it feels like Hollywood is really reined in their willingness to take chances because yeah, it's yeah. so um risky for them to take chances right now um so this is a very interesting confluence of those things you know we're seeing a very successful movie that took massive chances during the middle of or the end of or wherever we're at during a pandemic um so i feel like i almost should go just out of you know, as a consumer to show my, to put my Both vote a few in. dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am curious. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm always hesitant, I guess, uh, over pitching things or, or setting other people's expectations too high. I will say that if you look at the, uh, um, reviews of the, the, the user reviews of the movie is, is kind of interesting because, you know, it's, it's like 90% five star, and 10% one star. (laughs) 
And yeah. and I'm not super surprised by that because I think it's a movie that is either going to, you know, land really well with you and you're going to love it, or you're going to watch it and be like, what did I what just, just happened? <laughs> waste my time <laughs> looking at? <laughs> so, uh, I guess there's be aware that that is a possibility. I think for you, Trevor, that's not. I don't think you're going to have the one star experience. I'm I'm not sure if you'll have the five star or not, but I think I, it's likely you will. I think that. It's unlikely. My my experience with those types of movies, if if it's going to be one star or five star for me, it's it's a pacing problem, and I don't think this movie has a pacing problem. Um, so yeah, uh, not probably not. It does it does start. It has a little bit of a a slower start, but um, but it works well with the movie in my opinion. So how how long is it? Uh, I think it's about two hours and ten minutes. Okay. Oh, yeah, right there. Two hours and 19 minutes total. Yeah. Uh, you may have convinced me to go this afternoon. Awesome. Oh, well, impressive. I, uh, I'm very, I, I, I'm very curious to, to hear what your opinion of it is, honestly. <laughs> I, my current employer is one of the only employers I've ever worked at that gives Good Friday off. And oh, we're nice. recording, on, recording on Good Friday. I have today off. That's so. funny. We should go do it. All <laughs> right. I, uh, I went and... I watched it on like a Sunday evening and it's there, there weren't a ton of people in the theater. And so that was uh, something that was kind of nice. as well. I'm assuming on like Friday and Saturday, it probably had a f- quite a few more, but yeah. Um, well, that's, I guess that's my, my pitch for, for that show. Uh, did either of you have any other questions or anything with it? Uh, no, but I'll be honest. I'm still, even after your description of it, I'm, I have no clue what I'm going into. <laughs> I, yeah i mean that's Jay's probably uh, like mission accomplished <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of <laughs> it's it's it is it is kind of a a difficult movie to describe so well to be fair some of the great movies that have broke the mold in the past you would have the same somewhat difficult oh, time ex- ex- yeah i mean when the matrix first came out I mean, certainly there's certain things you could explain, but you could not explain the experience of the Matrix the first time you saw it to somebody who had never seen it. It's just the. I think part of what is so effective about the movie as well is that there's there is all there's there's all these things going on in the movie, but at the core, you know, it's about an immigrant woman who has a father who doesn't approve of her, who is married to someone that she's not sure that she wasted her life married to him who has a strained relationship with her daughter and you end up feeling like a whole you know gamut of emotions uh related to these relationships and it's so, an, it's, so, an, it's an interesting vehicle that this movie goes through all these weird things but really you feel very strong emotions that are all connected to the family so that description made it sound like a completely different movie to me. Yeah, I, yes, I know. <laughs> I, I'm like, am I going to see a kung fu film or am I going to see a drama about a woman having I a mean, the, life crisis? Right. Jay and so says the, yes. Like, the, the 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 first part of the movie where it's setting up all of this family stuff, you're like, you know, this is interesting, but it's not really what I was expecting with this. Uh, from the trailer of kind of like this Kung Fu movie, et cetera. Um, but it's kind of just, you know, establishing the, the foundation for, uh, everything that happens on later in the movie. So, um, 
we've got just a few minutes left. Um, did did you have I did you have any other uh, campaigning stories that you want to share, Josh, or uh, any game stories? I guess from any of us. I mean, I I leave all campaign other campaigning stories behind the paywall at this point, Jay. So <laughs> smart man, subscribe and you know we can have a, some more conversation. But um, I I did play a another roguelite recently, but I ended up um I played it for a while and then I. I uninstalled it. it. It wasn't as as exciting as I'd hoped. Um, it's called For the Warp. Um, oh, I have purchased this one. Okay. Have you, have you played it at all? Not yet, no. He did very specifically state what he had done so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may enjoy it more than I did. And I'm not like, I'm not going to write it off. I'm more than willing to come back a little bit later. Uh-huh. But it do, does feel incomplete. Okay. Um, they've stated that, that it's Is it an early access one? No, I don't think so. I think it's the I bought it after it um, came to version 1.0, but it feels like an early access one. Oh, okay. I was like, I thought it was, but I I, I thought it was early access. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at the page now. It doesn't say early access anyway. The funny thing is, is that um, if you look at its reviews, you know how uh, Steam has the all reviews and then recent recent reviews. All reviews, mostly positive, 240 reviews. Recent reviews, mostly negative, 34 reviews. So it's gone. Something they did recently has really changed um, the public's view of the game. And so I I played it more recently when it hit the 1.0 release. Um, and I, there's just it just feels incomplete to me. It's like there's hmm. there's massive parts of it missing or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I've played 10 hours of it, which is not a ton, but it is enough to kind of get a feel for the game. Um, we have a friend who's played like 60 hours of it and left a negative review of it on Steam. Holy ah. cow. I mean, that so, seems like a reasonable amount of time right? to, to then leave a negative review. That. Yeah, I would but think the, so. The concept is fun. It's, you know, you're, you're it's a deck builder, but you're a, a spaceship um, kind of. It's like it reminds me of um, um, Faster Than Light. FTL. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But instead of internal things, you just have a ship going through similar encounters, but instead you're playing cards to fight the battles. Um, hmm. So, the, the, so the arts, are the things that are incomplete? Are they are they gameplay things or? Yeah, I would say that they're card balance issues, um, card depth issues. It also feels like there's just not a lot of depth. I definitely feel like there's certain like play styles that are not as strong as others. Like one of the okay. things you. One of the things you want in a roguelite or any type of, or even a you know a board game or whatever, if it has multiple paths to victory, is you would like to the feeling that most of those are balanced. Meaning, you yeah, could take, you could take what you can choose whatever you want and still have an equal opportunity to complete it. Well, uh, as an example, in this game, they have um, you can de- one of your cards deploys drones, and the best part about those cards is they go back into your deck and you can and you can play it again and it, it deploys another drone. It doesn't just put the card in play and make the drone stay and the card is the drone. You know, every time you play the card, a new drone comes out, and that feels like it should be more powerful. It's not. The drones are not very good. Okay. It, it just takes too long to get them deployed. They don't do enough damage, and they can be shot uh, randomly when the enemies are shooting at you. Your drones can be destroyed for. Reasons I don't necessarily understand. There's no tooltips that explain that. 
Um, so th- there's multiple reasons, but that's that's one of them. It feels like there's like not every path to victory is equal, and some of them are not paths to victory at all. They're just a path to defeat. Hmm. Interesting. So I I, I have this question pop up in my mind as as you, you're talking about roguelites, and it seemed like it's a, a quick topic because it's probably an easy answer. But um, I guess what what would you guys say is the best roguelite and is and why is it not slay the spire because it's the, hades yeah is the other one hades i guess is mm-hmm. the other it is hades yeah so, so I, i'm going to I'm, I, I'm going to say that your question is somewhat unfair because roguelites have developed into sure a big so many different genres of roguelites so yeah if we, let's stick to the card version of of um roguelites which for the warp falls into okay Okay, and the funny thing is, is I haven't played the the newest version of Rogue Book. Um, there was a there was a version that they put out that um, was incredibly frustrating, and um, I was playing it, and my game crashed, and I lost the whole game. Like I tried to come back in, and it was just gone. Um, so I I haven't played it since then. I was mad and frustrated, but that was several versions ago. So I think that there's a strong possibility that Rogue Book is better than Slay the Spire. I also think that Monster Train is, is is maybe not better, but is as good as Slay the Spire. I think Monster Train is fantastic. Okay. Josh? Um, I wouldn't call it fantastic. I like it fine, but it for me, it falls far from, from Slay uh, the Spire. Slay the Spire, yeah. I, I mean, I'm mad that you took Hades out of this conversation, Jay. That seems... Uh, that, I, 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 I did, did that. that. Oh, oh, whatever. Who did it? Whoever did it. It's unnecessarily constrictive to my creative process. I can't work like this. I'm going to be in my trailer. Um, but <laughs> We can talk We can talk about... Uh, what no, I'm just you, saying... Uh, plat- platformer roguelites? Like, I mean, that's kind of what I would yeah. call Well, Hades. anyway, that's my point. Like, I, I've liked Monster Train fine. I think you have you have more time with it trevor and so you can speak more intelligently to it but um i think it's it, it falls f- far away from um slay the spire other than the graphics like i wish i had monster trains graphics with slay the spire's gameplay i uh, maybe i just didn't maybe i burned out on slay the spire i don't really know but i i did enjoy monster train more and i definitely enjoyed rogue book more than both of them okay but but rogue book is one of those things where um, they keep making lots of changes, which I guess is good. But the That's truth is, I suck at Roguebook so hard. I need to go back to it. But every time I log into Roguebook, I may have a great experience or I may have a bad experience because they just they, they they send out these bug patches and they, I mean they they put out a new patch um, almost every month and it has content in a lot of it too. So the game is very different from the game that I fell in love with. Feels and that pretty dynamic. That, that may or may not be a good thing. I don't know because yeah. I haven't played it recently. In fact, my Steam page says that I last time I played it was January. So, <clears throat> um, but I need to go back to see if the current version is fun or not. I just recommended it to that same friend who played 63 hours of, of For the Warp because I think they will like it. Um, mm-hmm. But but I think that certainly Rogue Book has the potential um, once it stabilizes a little bit because it's still fairly in comparison to Slay the Spire. It's it's a new kid on the block. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and I I definitely like if you asked me to rank those three, I would put Rogue Book above Monster Train. Interesting. Um, 
the other thing is, is I have not played Slay the Spire with their newest uh, content expansion. They just came out with another character, didn't they? Now, I thought that other character yes, was like a, so. a mod. Was that was that an official new character? I thought it was an official new character. Oh, okay. Too. I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah, and I have not played it since then. So I have neither here. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. Uh, you guys can tell us what roguelites you're liking and, and what you think of and Jay, is it true finished. that next week we're going to be talking about board games again? A very special board game convention, maybe even? I believe so, yes. Mm, exciting. Stay tuned. <laughs>